good evening to you, 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 you. Good evening, good evening. Won't you share with a friend or two? Good evening, good evening to you, you. Good evening, good evening to you, you. Good evening, good evening to you, you. Good evening, good evening to you. Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome to Daring Dialogues. I'm your host tonight, Shantae Charles. I hope that you are having a great and wonderful day. So, tonight, as you all know, those of you who have been joining us, is Business Friday and also Healthy Wealthy Wise. So, I'm going to start with my Healthy Wealthy Wise, and then I'm going to also share with you that... If you are not familiar to Daring Dialogues, about every 25 episodes, we take a break on this platform. Why? Because we want to be practicers of what we preach. And part of that is rest and self-care. So on next week, I will not be on any of next week. And then we will pick back up the following week. And we will start doing our countdown to the end of our season. So tonight is episode 76. And so when we come back, we'll be rolling through our last 24 episodes for the season. We end the season at 100 episodes and then we start our next season. So I want to let you guys know that also um, I'm encouraging young women especially women in their mid-20s, all the way into their 70s, 80s, and up, to make sure that you are taking care of your health, taking care of your body. Um, I know this week I got some annuals done, and I am in pain. (laughs) Um, But the pain is necessary because I, again, want to make sure that I'm taking care of my health. So I had two annuals done this week, and while I'm on break next week, I'll be doing some more tests and exams just to make sure that I am maintaining that good health. I did get some uh, good reports back this week, so I am excited. I am not showing any signs of diabetes, no signs of pre-diabetes, none of those kinds of things. And so I'm continuing to check on my health on next week, um, which actually times very well with our break time. So it works out. Um, So I just want to encourage you to do the checks that you know you need to do, whether you're male or female, but especially women. And while I'm on that topic, (laughs) I was thinking about this today as I was enduring one of my annuals and I was thinking to myself, I find it very interesting that um, some of the tests that we give to women 
feel like you're in a torture chamber. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, why hasn't anyone, you know, figured out how to make tools that you check women with? Why haven't they figured out how to make those things comfortable? Right? We know that they make things like sex toys comfortable. They've got all kinds of different apparatus that feels realistic and you know, provides pleasure and all of that, that people are out here using. But when it comes to creating tools that don't feel like a torture chamber when you're in the doctor's office for women, I just want to know why somebody hasn't gotten on that design ball and created something that, you know, you don't have to feel like you're under torture. I need them to work on that. I need somebody to design and create some medical instruments for when women have to have these annual tests and the ladies know what I'm talking about. Because if you see some of the tools they use on us in our most delicate places, (laughs) those things are torture tools. So if you can make things, you know, if you can make dildos, you can make all these vibrational instruments that bring people pleasure. Y'all can get in there and design that. I'm going to need somebody to go on the other realm and help a sister out <laughs> by getting these doctors some designs for their tools. I know they got to use the tools, but the tools ain't got to be torturous. So let's work on that. Why don't we? Because I guarantee if that kind of stuff was being used on men, they will find a solution real quick. That's all I got to say about that. Anyway, so let me get into my finance topic for tonight. As you know, we are nearing the close of this book, Financial Freedom, My Only Hope by Jeremiah J. Brown. We are in chapter 10, which is silver rights. And tonight we're going to talk about five factors in ending your poverty And I do want to show you all where we're going next. So as we end this book, which I believe we may end right at the end of this season. So we may start season 10 with these two books, but I want to give you a heads up. For those of you all who are reading along with us and learning along with us, we're going to be looking at two books. One is called The Whiteness of Wealth by Dorothy A. Brown. How the Tax System Impoverages Black Americans and How We Can Fix It. And then the other book we'll be looking at for Finance Fridays is Get Good With Money by Tiffany Aliche, also known as The Budget Nista. So if you want to know where we're going for season 10, that's where we're headed. Tonight, again, we are reading from Financial Freedom, My Only Hope by Dr. Um, Jeremiah J. Brown, and we're looking at factors in ending poverty. The factors he's going to talk about tonight are hope, education, self-esteem, and role models. First, ending your poverty starts with hope. Hope is so strong that you only need 5% of it to change your life. It's like the engine to a car. You can have a Bentley, but if the engine doesn't work, then the car is stuck. 
Hope can take on many forms, including ambition, determination, aspiration, and faith. Having hope allows you to think clearly and understand the simple fact that where you are today will not determine where you will be tomorrow. With hope, you can take back the power of your circumstances and gain control of your destiny. This simple choice can change your entire trajectory in life, even if it's one that you're not satisfied with. Whether you run, walk, or crawl, with hope as your inner compass, you will progress. This is why this powerful yet simple four-letter word is the first step to ending your poverty. Education. Another tool that can be used to end your poverty is education. It is derived from the Latin word educe, which means to bring out or develop something, Um, which is why all teachers are not necessarily educators. Sometimes you can be a teacher and you can be focused on indoctrination as opposed to education. That is what education really means. However, our society misinterprets the definition and instead indoctrinates us into a system rather than drawing out our inner genius. Now, anybody who knows me knows that is a part of my purpose is to draw out the genius in others. Education can come in many forms, including reading, real world simulation, experience, observation, and even failure. Failure and observation are sometimes the best ways to educate yourself in life. This helps you understand what doesn't work, what you are and aren't good at, and what your real purpose in life is. But all too often, school teaches you that failing spells the end of your future and your ability to progress financially in life. School can teach you that failing a test or a course proves your inadequacy in society and reinforces your stupidity in a particular subject or category. This negative reinforcement ultimately blocks you from understanding where your genius lies, and we all have a genius in us, waiting to propel us to financial freedom. Self-education is the only way to tap into your genius and draw out who you are meant to be in this world. Now, I do believe in self-education, but I also believe in apprenticeship. Um, A lot of times, um, and I say apprenticeship and not mentorship, but you have to go back to the origin of what a mentor is to understand why I don't use that word. Um, But I will use apprenticeship because when you apprentice, you are, you're learning under someone and you are practicing the skill yourself, but it's not like you are um, trying to become a carbon copy of the person that you are learning under. You're actually learning the skill and then you are sort of honing it um, based on your own particular style and your own particular skill set. So you can learn a basic skill, but when you tweak it to fit who you are and what you're called to do, Um, That's a little bit different than the mentorship model. Richard Klein said, 90% of confidence is preparation. Everything else is beyond your control. Self-esteem. 
Self-esteem can be the driving force that enables you to execute your goals and live out your dreams. Self-esteem can also impact every other aspect of your life, from the choices you make and the people you surround yourself with, to how you determine your self-worth in society. Understanding your value proposition as it pertains to self-esteem can determine your ability to accomplish your goals and achieve your dreams. Have you ever felt like you didn't belong in a particular group or school or job or community? These feelings can be caused by low self-esteem or the fact that you don't feel worthy enough to exist in that space. Or another one that people often leave out is that people deliberately try to make you feel unwelcomed. (laughs) You are a circle trying to fit into a puzzle of squares, wondering why you don't fit in or measure up. Sure, you can nip and tuck your circle, suppressing what makes you unique in order to assimilate. But how will you find your true purpose? More importantly, are you not willing to discover who you are? I can see how systematic rules, media portrayals, public perception, and negative societal reinforcement can affect one's self-esteem and enhance the negative perception of self. But assimilating to society is not a remedy for low self-esteem. It can even be harmful to your mental health in the long term, especially if you feel like you are losing your sense of self in order to assimilate. John Hope Bryant said, if you don't believe in yourself at nine in the morning, by 9 p.m., somebody is going to tell you who you are. I believe high self-esteem derives from self-discovery and belief in oneself. If you start believing in your differences and nuances, you will start to see your value in society and exploit it. Whether the value you have is to offer a niche or on a global scale, every one of us can impact lives and affect change within society. High self-esteem or self-confidence helps you discover your gifts and enables you to share those gifts with society. As we know, half of success is confidence and belief in yourself. Think of high self-esteem as the food that gives you energy. We all need this energy to do anything in life. Look at self-esteem as a way to express what you have to offer the world and understand that you are important and you do have a purpose. Having high self-esteem will draw out your purpose, making the world a better place to be in because you are here. So in case no one has told you today, you are important. You're important to your personal world and you're important to the world at large. Lastly, role models, which interestingly enough, this author is actually going to get into two um, people that I tend to... Um, either follow their page or see what they're writing or see what they're discussing and talking about currently. So I thought it was very interesting that he would pick out two people um, that I already, you know, sort of look at and say, man, they're, they're doing some great things. They're being their authentic, unique self. Role models may be the last component to ending your own poverty, but I assure you, This too is very important. I remember going to business school and asking many of my classmates why they chose business or finance as their topic of focus. All of them said the reason behind their choice was because they either witnessed their or their friend's dads being successful businessmen, 
or saw someone who looked like them as a successful businessman through the media or television screen. This put a lot of things in perspective for me. It taught me that children in affluent communities were no smarter than I was. They were only modeling what they saw growing up. This is very important because all too often, the only things shown as signs of success for minorities in inner city communities are sports, entertainment, and illegal accumulation of wealth. I still applaud any way of bootstrapping your way out of poverty and becoming successful in life. However, there are far easier and less stressful ways of achieving wealth and success in this world. The author says, if you hang around nine broke people, you will be the 10th. Role modeling can also encompass the people you spend most of your time with. Entrepreneur and recording artist 50 Cent agrees with this premise. He said, you are as good as the people you speak to for no reason. Even though you have no control over who birthed you or your background, you do have control over whom you spend your time with. You should work on spending time with people you want to learn from, even if you aren't able to physically hang out with them. I have many billionaire mentors that I've never seen in person. I do, however, spend time listening to them and learning their strategies on how to achieve success and become wealthy. The difference between myself and most people is that I spend a lot of my free time reading their work and learning their moves, while other people might spend their free time watching people who won't offer any applicable value to them other than laughing or entertainment. So if you want to be successful, align yourself both physically and digitally with successful people in the field you want to be successful in. Now, in just a moment, I think, I don't know, maybe I'll show it to you all when we get back. I think I'll do that. But I'll show you um, my little my little nook of inspiration. And I'll show you some of the people um, that I look to when I get up in the morning and I am either creating something or writing something or typing something or planning my next coaching session, which I have had to postpone, but I'm still in planning. Um, there are people that I look to as inspiration and I have them around me in my space. So we'll talk a little bit about that, how you can set up a a space for inspiration. Finally, he says, this strategy can aid in your ability to achieve success in knowledge. More entrepreneurs and small business owners. In the past few years, there's been more small business deaths than there were births. Many aspiring entrepreneurs have no way of accessing capital due to sterner regulations and laws being passed. Now we know that some new programs, since he wrote this, some new programs are opening up for um, small business owners to access wealth. But again, when you start looking at the requirements and you start looking at the red tape, Oftentimes, um, African-American businesses still get left out because of some of the policies that are being instituted. So he talks about how it's making it, it's been harder than ever before to take out credit to fund an endeavor. This along with the rise of technology will bring an end to small businesses as a result and spell doom for the American way of life. Now we have programs like WeFund, 
um, GoFundMe, Kickstarter, where people are starting to take advantage of those sites, right, to raise their own capital in an unconventional way because, again, some of these quote-unquote government opportunities, when you get down to it, into the nuts and the bolts, there are still some barriers to entry there. So I'm going to always encourage people to crowdfund, raise funds the way that you need to in order to get your business started. These business deaths are mainly attributed to the rise of multinational corporations and the re- and the recognition of a monopoly throughout these corporations. With the help of economic da- downturns and the Federal Reserve, large businesses can leverage cheap money or debt to merge with other industry giants and knock out the little man. Mom and pop shops. I think there was another merger recently with what was that i think mgm studios and amazon amazon bought somebody's whole collection and catalog of movies which is now another way for them to compete with you know movie theater distribution and it looks like things are not changing anytime soon the only way that we can control our destiny is if we begin to support and invest in each other through crowdfunding and collaborative economics, like I just mentioned. Here are some relevant facts to show the impact of small businesses. There are 350 people, (laughs) backtrack, there are 350 million people and counting in America. It used to be about 330 million. There are over 27 million businesses in America. Only 970 out of 27 million businesses in America employ 10,000 people or more. 50% of all employment in America involves 100 employees or less. So you're looking at the fact that America, our economy runs off of small businesses. There's a reason that the last statistic is in bold. Small businesses are the backbone of our economy and the largest employers in every community. Think about the last time you visited the dentist, got a haircut, went to a restaurant to eat. I'm pretty sure you saw more than eight employees in every place you went. Now, have you ever wondered why large corporations stock prices increase whenever they announce significant reductions in their workforce or mass firing? This is because they are rewarded for maximizing profits at any cost, including laying off their workers. There should be an income cap in capitalism, whether individual or corporate income. If it exceeds a certain amount, it should immediately go into an escrow account funded by a private organization that then supports entrepreneurs or small businesses. Just a a thought. Collaborative economics. Black Wall Street was one of the first examples of how powerful and fruitful the effect of collaborative economics could be. Taking advantage of the oil booms in the early 1900s allowed a group of marginalized people to reignite a collaborative economy not seen since the beginning of the African dynasties of Timbuktu in ancient Egypt. Just to show how successful the people there were, Some records illustrate that the dollar was circulated close to a hundred times before leaving the community. In comparison, 
It takes the dollar no more than 20 times to circulate before leaving white or Asian communities today. It also took close to a year on average before the dollar left the community during Black Wall Street. Talk about keeping it in the community. Um, There's been, I think, two or three documentaries recently on the legacy of Black Wall Street. And one of those documentaries, I can't remember which one, but it talked about the fact that it wasn't just the fact that people were living in the community. There were people that worked outside of the community, but there was sort of a community agreement that they would spend their money inside of the black community, which is why, as this author talks about here, it was able to circulate over a hundred times before leaving the community. The people of Black Wall Street were extremely prosperous and focused. Many of them understood the role they played within society and they played it well. There were black attorneys, business owners, PhDs, and doctors alike who lived and worked within the communities they shared. One doctor was Dr. Barry, who owned the bus system. His average income was $500 a day in 1910. That amount would easily exceed $13,000 per day in today's currency. The same amount of money can be generated today. However, it would probably be spent on items not owned by the community in which the money was made to begin with. In spending money outside the community of Black Wall Street, like economies further disrupted, set back and not able to continue. Collaborative economics has more to do with building dynasties than it does with buying products. Entire ecosystems are built through the power of using nepotism, buying real estate, and investing in entrepreneurship within your community. These simple practices can transform any impoverished or disenfranchised population into an affluent and royal civilization. However, to act on these principles, the following cognitive steps have to take place. One, changing the mentality from inferiority to self-confidence. Two, relinquishing dependence upon foreign communities. Three, dismantling the one at a time or less is more mentality. And four, understanding the power of heritage and legacy. I can only imagine how quickly an empire could be built by putting these models into practice. This will work and has worked for all communities who apply these principles in the construction of self-sustaining, self-reliant, and thriving society. To economically shift a community, the people in it must collaborate and work together. I'll say that again. To economically shift a community, the people in it must collaborate and work together. No one man or woman is an island. We all need each other to create a self-sufficient society again. Colorless. When something's good, it's way beyond color. Sports and entertainment can be a prime example of something breaking through the color barrier. These industries have done more to bridge the gap in race relations than any other industry or social movement today. Sports and entertainment enable people of all different creeds, religions, and backgrounds to exist in one space, have the same mental complexity and similar commonalities, and even do business together. We see this in legendary basketball star Michael Jordan, 
and the icon Beyonce being household names in every race and in a corporate conglomerate like Apple, purchasing a minority co-owned company for $3 billion, beats by Dr. Dre. Although inherent prejudice still holds humanity back from achieving ultimate innovation, industries and brands like the ones mentioned can grow exponentially and reach everyone simply because the tone and value are universal. As we progress in society, we will start to see the rise in technology and entrepreneurship bridge the gap between race relations throughout society. Robert F. Smith, Tristan Walker, and Bazoma St. John are all prime examples of this. With the creation of his innovative hair product, Bevel, Tristan Walker has been able to raise capital, $24 million, from not only minority-owned venture funds, but unlikely juggernaut venture capital funds such as Andreessen Horowitz and Google Ventures. Although Silicon Valley has been traditionally seen as excluding diversity from the boardrooms and discriminating based on age, among other things, Tristan did not let them stop him from offering value to the world. He not only has been able to participate and thrive within the Silicon Valley community, he was able to do it in his 20s. With his intellect, business prowess, and fearlessness, he can prove that the value of creation and innovation can be the spear that pierces through the color barrier. If there's anybody enough, if there's anybody enough to revolutionize not only marketing, but the perception of a boardroom, then Bazoma St. John is the right person to do it. Now, Bazoma is someone I actually follow here on IG, and I've been following her career for quite a bit of time. Fierce, brash, confident, poised, and competitive are terms given to Fortune 500 CEOs. But as a C-level executive, Bazoma can sashay around these adjectives like a prom queen. Many of you may have witnessed her introduction to stardom from her appearances at WWDC and Uber. The fascinating part of the story was her rise to get there. Bose has shown through her hard work, confidence, business acumen, persistence, and resilience that impossible is nothing but a 10-letter word. She has created enough value to be considered an asset by some of the top players in the industry, from Jimmy Iovine to Apple CEO Tim Cook and Uber's co-founder. Bold, black, and beautiful are three Bs that have enabled her to rise up the corporate ladder and be respected amongst some of the greatest executives ever to do so. She is a proven example of something being so good that it breaks through the racial and color barriers. Now, I think her latest um, move is she is actually over the marketing for Netflix now. So she decides a lot of the decisions behind what kind of new films that Netflix is going to take on, which I'm very excited about. The last person we're going to talk about tonight is Robert F. Smith, another person who's uh, that I follow. Robert F. Smith, CEO and founder of private equity firm Vista Equity Partners, has been dubbed by the Washington Post and Forbes as the quiet billionaire. And this description could not be closer to the truth. Even his website appears to have no picture of him on it. Many of you probably have not heard of the private equity financier but he has done more to change the perception of the black community than we can ever imagine. As if building a 26 
billion dollar business of buying, growing, and selling software is not impressive enough, he was able to thrive in this business and climb the ranks to billionaire stature. He was able to accomplish this goal ingeniously. Robert chose to stay under the radar publicly as he focused on adding value for his clients behind the scenes. He believed that investors and executives should know him first by his abilities. If they only saw the caramel skin, he would have lost out on many opportunities to grow his business and increase his wealth. Instead, he let his business talk for him. Creating value and money, of course, turned out to be the only color that the market saw. Robert is a brilliant mind who was able to create value for many different people from many diverse backgrounds. This is because he understood the human experience. He recognized that everyone, white, black, is looking for something, and that is value. Robert F. Smith also extends his philanthropic efforts to the communities from which he came. From being one of the largest donors to the African American Museum, to being the founding president of multiple nonprofit groups that focus on Af- African American culture, human rights, music education, and the environment, Robert Smith has proven that participating in the free market cannot and should not force you to turn your back on your community in order to stay ahead. Most recently, he was in the news, I think, in either 2019 or 2020 for. Um, paying off the student debt for I think an entire class college class of students I think at Morehouse if I'm not mistaken so that is my reading for tonight if you would like to invite yourself on so we can have do a little bit of chopping up about this topic and uh, about how we can end poverty poverty in our communities poverty in our neighborhoods poverty in the places where we came from some of us may not we might be far far away from the neighborhoods that we grew up in but we know that they are still in need of our help and services so if you would like to join me for conversation just click on the invite yourself and i will add you in if you are listening by anchor fm tonight i want to thank you for your time and attention please remember we will be offline next week And then the following week, we will return with our broadcasts. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Take care and God bless.